1: Well, welcome to this
2: episode of the How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and at the other end is
0: David Begin. David
2: Begin. So we're both here today with you, and to discuss a topic of interest. Here we are going to talk about assumptions primarily. Uh, David Begin was just at a car wash tour. Is that what you would call it, David?
0: Yeah, yeah. They call it a management tour, but it was a car wash tour of Europe. Yeah, so this episode is not about car washes
2: specifically, so if you're not interested in the car wash business, please still listen. It's really about what he learned, and it can be applied to any business. It's really about the assumptions that we tend to make in our businesses sometimes and expanding our perspective. So that's really the takeaway. It just happens that, as we've mentioned before in a previous episodes, David owns two highly successful car washes in the Colorado Springs area and part of his capacity also as part of the International Car Wash Association is to go and visit these other operators and in this case in Europe so it gives him and gave him a very different perspective so we're going to chat about that so the takeaways aren't necessarily car wash specific they're small business in general right Dave yeah yeah absolutely all right, well, just give us briefly what the uh, how long the trip was, where you guys went, Just give us a little bit about the logistics of it.
0: Yeah, so the International Car Association does these management seminars probably once or twice a year. They go to different parts of the world. this This year they went to Europe and it was a week-long tour. So we arrived on Sunday in Germany and left on Sunday. I think we arrived on arrived on Saturday and left on Sunday, so it was a seven eight day tour. And there was a group of about 20 individuals from all over the country and who went on a bus tour through Germany and then we went to France and Strasbourg and then we ended up in Zurich, uh, Switzerland and then drove back to Munich on the bus and we had a great time. But It it was a great opportunity to spend quality time with, with people but also learn about how different uh, businesses and industries in the car wash industry operate. Any recollection how many different operators you visited? Probably, my guess is about between five and six. Okay. So we visited different types of car wash. We actually took a factory tour of one of the larger car wash manufacturers in Europe as well. So we got to see how they they process and manufacture car wash equipment for the industry, primarily in Europe and other parts of the world, a little bit in the U.S., but mostly Europe. And spouses came along as well, right? Yep. Spouses came along, and Brenda was able to come with me, and she was actually very interested in the tour. I was surprised; I, I thought uh, she was just going to have to endure it, but uh, she found it pretty fascinating. And uh, I think it was captured somewhere on social media that she was actually paying attention to a lecture, and I was not. Yeah. So I was on, on my phone or checking email or something like that. Yeah, the evidence <laughs> is there. There's no doubt.
2: <laughs> so. Right, so twenty other, so twenty other people, so about twenty other operators, all U.S. operators that came on this tour. Yes. On this one, all U.S. operators.
0: So, yes. yes. And when we say operators, what do we mean by that? They're typically owners of car washes. So, you've got people who own car washes but don't operate them. So, they hire people to operate them. And then you've got people who operate car washes but don't own them. And then you've got owner operators which is the category I put myself in where I own a car wash, but and I also help manage it and run it. And just a quick a little bit of background, I think,
2: on the car wash industry, which is, relatively speaking, very fragmented, meaning that most operators, most owners own one, two, maybe three units. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I would say the vast majority own less than five. That's changing as we're starting to see money come into the industry. We have uh, equity, private equity firms. Now making some big plays, we're seeing larger change. I think there was a stat that I heard a couple of days ago that uh, the average large car wash owner was five car washes, and now we're talking maybe twenty to thirty car washes is what we're seeing for the average large operator. Wow, it really has jumped. But yeah, still so
2: the average guy, the average guy or gal who owns a car wash is it's not unlike any other business uh, industry that's fragmented. It's an individual operator. They've built up to maybe two, three, four, five car washes, but it's the same kind of business as our listeners have.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's very much a mom and pop industry, it uh, kind of developed from the self-serve in-bay automatic world where people would have a piece of property. They'd put some self-serve car wash bays. Uh, they could manage that an hour or two uh, a day or you know maybe five hours a week. So it was kind of a part-time gig for a lot of people. It was a retirement job for many people and they would take care of the car wash, take the money to the bank, and it was a pretty good situation. Then evolved more into tunnels. And so there's a lot of different models out there. But yeah, very fragmented industry, still probably 8,000 car washes in the U.S. is what the International Car Wash Association estimates. And the majority of those are owned just by individuals. Yeah.
2: All right. So let's get into this topic of challenging assumptions And that was, you had shared with me, was one of your biggest takeaways when you came back. Share with us what your thoughts were on that.
0: Yeah, you asked me to think about what it was. Obviously, we went over there because it was Europe and we wanted to take a little bit of a time to see Europe again. But uh, going way over to Europe really gives you an opportunity to think about how other people do things. A lot of the innovations that have come to the U.S. in car washing actually started in Europe. And so... Things along the lines like, at our exterior express car wash, we let people vacuum for free. And that idea was probably brought over here maybe 15 years ago after a European car wash tour. And now it's become pretty much standard practice for most exterior express car washes. And so a lot of different ideas, a lot of new ideas can come up. I I think what I found is uh, I went into this with a set of assumptions thinking that the way we do things is probably the best way and I can't really – think of a different way I would do things, but going over to Europe and seeing how people do it, in some cases completely differently, it really challenges the the way you view your business and how you want to approach your business and the assumptions that you make in your business. I'll give you a couple of examples of that. One thing that we saw, if we went to a car wash that had gas stations, most of the gas station pumps, if not all of them, don't have credit card readers. Yeah, it's very interesting. I was just um, let me inter- inter- interject
2: here. I was just reading a study by the European Central Bank on that very point. That in Europe, in Europe, in particular, in in Germany, which is part of where you were, uh, most of the lower value transactions are done in cash, not in credit card. Yeah. And there's various reasons yeah. for that. There's the fear of of security, uh, but it's just also what people do. It's just their custom.
0: Yeah, it very much is. I think people view credit cards more as credit. So if you want to buy something you can't afford, then you would put it on a credit card where here in the U.S. we use credit card for everyday purchases because it's just a lot more convenient. So if you wanted to purchase gas, you had to go inside the office, tell them what pump you were at, tell them how much money you wanted to put on the pump, and then that's how you'd pump uh, your gas. And and if you wanted a car wash as well, you'd pay for it in there, and you could pay – uh, with, with a credit card to buy a car wash, if you wanted to get in line and purchase a car wash, they would accept cash at some of these car washes, but they would not accept credit. It's interesting. Now, that has to have created some major inefficiencies, I have to think. I, I would imagine it does, but I think the idea of getting cash, and we asked some of the owners, why do you do this? Why would you not just take the convenience of swiping a credit card, and their attitude is we get, we get our money right away? And so it was almost like a foreign conversation with them. Why, we were asking, why why in the world would you not accept credit cards? And they go, why in the world would you accept credit cards? It was kind of, you get that look in their eye that made us feel like, well, this is such an ingrained part of their culture that that they haven't really thought about that, that part of it. So in Europe, it's very cultural that you don't use credit cards. Cash is what you use. They're probably a little bit more fiscally responsible than we are in the US and cash sort of contributes to that as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So that, that, that was interesting. So that was something we had never thought about before, something I'd never kind of brought to the table as far as cash and why they use cash. Um, other assumptions that we were looking at is they don't use a lot of soap on the car. So we, we like to use soap for display purposes. So we use a product called Triple Foam, which is colored, three three different colors, and it hits the car, it kind of gives you an exciting look. In Europe, they would never do that because, uh, first of all, they like the idea of colored soap. There's something wrong with colored soap. Uh, over there. It's it's extra use of chemicals that are not necessary. And they really use very little soap. So I think they might actually, you know, spray a little bit of soap at the very beginning of the car, car wash process, and then they would let the cloth clean it the entire rest of the way, where most of us here in the U.S. wouldn't do that. We'd want to make sure we've got Plenty of soap as we're going through the process up until the very end. So their, their whole concept about why they use soap, what type of soap, it would always be white. It would never be colored. Very interesting over there. And so that's one other thing that uh, they do. And then the other assumption I think they make is that energy is a very expensive commodity. So they do everything they can to make sure that they eliminate as much energy consumption as possible. And one area they do that is at the very end of the tunnel where we have maybe 15 blowers and each one of our motors is 10 to 15 horsepower each. They might only have three or four blowers at the end. But they would use a machine to trace those blowers across the top of the car uh, to actually follow the outline or contour of the car so they could get that blower as close as possible to dry as much as possible. And then at the end, they would use cloth. So they would either have machines that would be twirling and the cars would go through it or they'd have uh, brushes. They'd have things that look like brushes, but it'd be cloth that would come around the car. So they would use a lot less energy to dry a car, but they would use more cloth in, in the process as well. So their whole idea of energy consumption and how they consume energy is very much top of mind to them. So, and, you know, some of the equipment is fundamentally different. So coming from different backgrounds, the way they manufacture equipment, you know, their, their philosophies on how they wash cars are different as well. So it really kind of opened up my eyes quite a bit to, okay, well, maybe the way I'm doing it isn't the absolute best way of doing it. And other people do it very successfully. Uh, in other ways. And from that perspective, it's good. It's, it's very good. Yeah, no, absolutely.
2: And so, you know, if you add up the what they're saving in credit card fees and in energy savings, the, they, they have to look at it, generate these additional profits. What was the price point comparison? Were you able to make any comparisons, obviously translating the value of the currency to U.S. as to are their car washes typically more expensive than what we would pay for a comparable car wash in the States?
0: Well, the ones that are it was actually all over the board. We have, there's one large car wash chain in Germany called Mr. Wash, which is owned by an individual named Richard Henning and he was on our ICA board uh, a couple of years ago, but they've got car washes over there. They got a car wash in Stuttgart. This is another different. They got a car wash in Stuttgart that probably cost 40 to 50 million euros. Wow. And the average car wash here in the U.S. might cost $3 million to, to buy the land and construct. So it's this is a 10 times operation. This is a multi-level. It's, it's in a warehouse. There's multi-levels to it. So you can drive to the second floor to get certain services or drive to the third floor to get certain services. But his price points, he's, he's a volume washer. So his price points are pretty comparable to our price points. Here in the U.S. But we did visit a car wash in Zurich. And another interesting point in in Switzerland when we went is people can't own land. So I, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't um, know that either. So, yeah, the, the state owns all the land and you can only lease it. I So see. you do 99-year leases. But there was a car wash there in Zurich, which is probably one of the most expensive cities in the, in the world. The, the base wash for that car wash was about 25 to 28 Swiss francs. So that's bumping up close to $30. Wow. For a basic wash. And their top package was around maybe $110, $120. And there was people lined up all the way down the street to wash their car there. So their price was, they had a Rolls Royce that they were about to detail (laughs) that I think they were going to charge about 2,000 Swiss francs. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So an interesting idea, again, people are willing to pay. In that environment, people were willing to pay, uh, you know, three to five times what I charge for a basic car wash.
2: All right. So we've touched on assumptions. We'll we'll, we'll touch on that as we move through this conversation. But the other topic you wanted to talk about was just the value of spending time with different people. Now, there's different opportunities that we have for doing that in our businesses. Often we'll go to a conference or some type of a trade show. And so we have that interaction there and that's great. But this was different because you were spending this intimate time with people over the course of several days traveling
0: together. So tell us about the benefit of that yeah, there was there was a lot of travel time because we were traveling between three cities on the bus, and we'd be on the bus anywhere between two hours and six hours a day traveling between sites. And so we had a lot of opportunity to sit down and visit with one another. And I got to know a few car wash operators in in the California area much better than I had before. i I, I knew them. We had talked briefly at trade shows and other meetings, but it really gave us an opportunity to sit down and talk about uh, his car washes. He showed me pictures of some of the renovations he was doing. I was talking about my car washes and the programs I'm implementing. And it gave us some really good quality time to sit down and visit. And I visited with other people that had other car wash models as well. So the self-serve car washes and the in-bay automatics, when I use that term, it's uh, in-bay automatic or rollover. And that's one of the car washes where you would pull in and the equipment goes around your car and only washes one car at a time, typically takes, you know, three to eight minutes to perform the car washing function. And then you drive out. So it's typically what as, we find at a at a gas station. Yeah, yeah. It would be a gas station or some people have them. And you find them in smaller towns or smaller pieces of property. And so this individual owned maybe eight to fifteen of these uh, in-bay automatic or self-serves. And I learned a lot about that business. I had not really exposed myself to that business. I always said, oh, that's a business I would never be in. But after visiting with this individual, I learned a lot about it and they're very successful at what they do and they like that business. They would they would rather not be in the tunnel business because they don't want to deal with all the, the labor issues that go along with that. But uh You know, it inspired me to kind of think about In Bay Automatic and self-serve car washing a little differently than I had before. Yeah, very interesting. And
2: just as we're defining terms, the car washes, as you had mentioned, that you own are called exterior express washes. And those are washes for people that are listening where you stay in the car. You either pay a person or an automated attendant. Someone guides you onto the track. And then there's blowers at the end. But nobody, sometimes maybe they might have hand drying, but typically not. And then you have the option of using the free vacuums. That's typically the right. model in the states for an exterior express. So exterior meaning that the car wash only cleans the outside of the car. And express meaning that it's all about convenience and speed,
0: right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And so that's that's the model that we've gone into. And there's full-serve car washes like most of us know where you get out of your car, watch the You know, You might go to Windows and watch the car go through and see people vacuuming it. And the big factor across those different models is labor and
2: managing that component of it.
0: Very much so. Yeah, L- labor is always the component. When you have, uh, you can also have what's called a flex serve car wash, which is a hybrid between exterior express or full serve. So when you go in the tunnel, you know you either go in as an exterior express customer or a full service customer, and you would either vacuum yourself or you'd go to an area and get it vacuumed or detailed by someone else. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of a hybrid of the model, but yeah, so labor is obviously the biggest component of that, managing, training, hiring, and firing people. Interesting in France, if you're going to fire someone, uh, you have to pay them between six and 24 months of their salary. Wow. And that's with cause or without cause. Interesting. So it really makes it challenging to hire people. So think about the environment those folks work in. They have to be very careful who they're hiring, and they have to to, to make sure they get the right people But then they have to be very careful how they treat them. And the employee pretty much knows at that point it's going to be very difficult to get rid of someone. On that point, did you pick up anything that that they do significantly
2: different in the screening process and the interview process and the onboarding process? Or did you not get into those conversations?
0: No, we didn't get into those conversations with – with the operators their owners okay. at that point. But but it's interesting. It seemed like they had a very good very good group of employees that were working at a couple of the car washes we went at. You know, it looked like a very high level professional group of people.
2: Interesting. So to finish up on this point of spending time with other people, again, this comes up a lot when I when I interview folks. And it's this thing that when you become an entrepreneur, especially as we talked about at the outset, we're in the car wash industry, as in a lot of industries of our listeners you get isolated you you don't know a lot of other business owners or entrepreneurs and so you start to make assumptions and you don't expand your thinking and so a trip like this and this is everybody doesn't have an opportunity to do a trip like this but what are your thoughts on how people can continue to expand their thinking to challenge their assumptions regardless of what business or industry they're in
0: Yeah, there's so many different ways to do that. And the car wash industry, the International Car Wash or the Regional Car Wash Associations we have here have roadshow tours. So they'll do this, but they do it only for a day and they'll do it in a certain city in the U.S. So that's been a very popular event that a lot of car wash operators attend to go see other car washes here in the U.S. Um, So interesting that the car wash industry is is very much a cottage uh, mom and pop type industry, but people do like to reach out and visit and talk about car washing and get ideas. It's it's one of these industries that for whatever reason has lent itself well to networking and getting together. Regional associations and the International Car Wash Association has really taken advantage of that by trying to create events and sponsor car wash tours and trade shows and meetings cuz car wash owners just like to get together. Yeah, if you're in an industry there's there's I'm sure there's opportunities for people to get together physically but there's also opportunities to get together virtually so there's so many different forms online now there's meetups there's different places where you can interact with people online so that's the first place I would look but I also encourage people to join associations it's not not because I'm on the I mean I'm on the board of the International Car Association but I, I I can't believe somebody has a business but yet they're not involved at an association level it just I, I, I don't understand, and I'm sure people have good reasons why, but uh, for me, I would want to connect myself as best as I can to learn as much as possible to make sure I'm doing the very best I can as an operator and as an owner. But reach out to your association, whatever, I'm sure every, I, I'm amazed how many different types of associations there are out there. I, I've been working pretty closely with our association CEO, and there's actually an association for association managers. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do that too many times, I don't know. What right, at some but, point. No, but but your um, point
2: is valid. There, there is a group out there for just about every business and interest, and the internet facilitates that. And you, but you have to go find it.
0: Yeah, you have to go find it. It's not going to be hard to find. I mean, the web has made that very very easy for people. So worst case, do it virtually. So find some people that are, have like ideas and like mindedness. You should be able to find that without too much effort. But. Also look at trying to join associations. And the bigger the association, obviously, they'll have regional chapters and maybe local chapters. I think about the, uh, the Speakers Bureau, pretty good network along those lines. The HR, human resource directors, you know, are pretty good about having regional and local associations. So depending on what industry you're in you'll find where people will, you know, you'll you'll find local organizations and regional organizations much easier than maybe others. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that happen for small business
2: owners. The obvious one is we we are isolated. We're busy. We are nonstop. We're heads down. We don't have the time we tell ourselves. But I think there's also a component of thinking, no, I don't, I don't want to share my secrets. I don't want anybody to know how I'm doing it. And that is a a very myopic way of thinking. And what you find For example, you went on a tour of these different car washes, and I'm sure they shared, within reason, they shared freely what they're doing because – what you begin to understand as a business owner as you mature and look beyond just your little world is that when you share, sure, somebody might take an idea, but it doesn't matter. What you're gonna learn in return from that exchange is much more valuable. And you know, the car wash industry is in specific. When I've been to the Southwestern car wash show here, people are sharing. They're they're sharing their secrets, if you will.
0: And what they get in return is they they get that back from others and it's well worth it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any secrets. I I think I realized, you know, I sort of felt like that when I first got into it, that I had this magical secret sauce that I was going to use to be so successful. But then as time went on, I realized there is no secret sauce to this. You know, you might have a great idea and you might see anybody else have a great idea. But even if you see an idea that might give you some advantage that you think it's, it's depending on how you execute that idea will determine if you're going to be successful or not. So there, there are no new ideas. I think it's just people putting them together in different combinations. And the more comfortable I get in the industry, the more comfortable I get with my businesses, I realize that sharing information isn't going to affect me one way or another as far as my ability to execute. It was always interesting. Some people would never let you in their equipment room. Right. It was secret, guarded like it was, secret. Yeah. It was like, you know, there were elves in there, you know, <laughs> making making chemical or something was going on. But at the end of the day, it's all the same equipment that most of us have anyway. Yeah.
2: But that does I think it does come with that isolationist kind of approach and that we can get into as small business owners. And those other people are competitors, so I don't want to talk to them. But in fact, once you let go of that, you'll find that, boy, not only do you let go of that, that angst and that worry, but you realize that, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to learn in return. And it's just, and, you, and oh, hey, somebody else is going through the same challenges. Imagine that. So yeah. you, we have a tendency as independent business owners and uh, young and small entrepreneurs to isolate ourselves for all kinds of different reasons. And that's part of what I want to make sure people take away from this.
0: Yeah. And you know, owning a small business is a lonely, it's a lonely prospect for a lot of people. Absolutely. And um, I find myself in that. I'm sure you probably do. There's just, you're dealing with so much, uh, so much, but you're dealing with issues on a daily basis that you some days you just feel like I cannot do this today. Um, I can't, get up and fight the world. And when you've got other people who are like-minded in the same situations, there's that feeling of, oh, okay, well, we're, we, we can be in this together, although we're doing it separately, but we're kind of in the same battle together. And I think people's desire to want to get together and be in, going mean, to use the word tribes, but like-minded people together having the same experiences there's just a tremendous amount of benefit for that and that's why I just I struggle with people that are not interested in being part of anything and i i, I know car wash operators that are like that yeah. they just they're not a member of any association they don't go to any meetings you know they just they just don't do it i would venture to say we won't
2: go off on this tangent but i would venture to say that a lot of those people they're not happy they're 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 angry they're miserable they're you know they're just not happy i'm just going to leave that there one last question before we wrap it up here what was your impression on ease of starting and doing business in those countries that you visited, Germany, Switzerland, versus the United States? Did you get any impression on that?
0: I think it's more difficult. I think businesses are under a lot more regulation there, which makes people jump through a lot more hoops. Um, it'd be interesting to sit down and talk to somebody about how difficult. I think maybe for them, it's just the way it is. And so they don't think about it as, oh, man, this is terribly difficult. You know, we've got all these regulations and we've got to meet all these e, EU requirements and we've got all these environmental issues that we have to deal with. I, I think they just sort of do it. Um, I think it's just the environment they've been in and they know if they want to have a business, that's what they're going to have to do. So I, I know it's much more difficult in talking to them what they have to do with their water and how they have to clean it up and what they have to show is in the water and what's in the soap and uh, how they have to transport those things uh, I know it's more difficult there but I I believe in their mind they just think up oh, that's just the way it right. is right they don't have a choice but it does put into yeah. perspective for us as we open new businesses
2: that you know sometimes we need to just uh, realize it's we have it pretty good
0: yeah yeah I think we do I think we I think it's been more you know you yeah, I talked about this yesterday it's getting more difficult here in the US I believe Uh, you know, the car washes we opened 10 years ago, the process was much simpler, much easier than it was now. And it's interesting. I did talk to a guy who was a multi-generational owner and he was telling me the same. I asked him because he's in California, which is very heavily regulated. And he was telling me that uh, his dad, I mean, the difference between what his dad did (laughs) back in the 60s and early 70s versus now is like night and day. I mean, you just, you know, you walk down to the City, they they write out a permit for you and you start building. Yeah, it was it was almost that that easy. But things are different. Things are different, but it's yeah. still good,
2: and you can still do business, and you can still start a small business in this country and be successful. Absolutely. All right, let's summarize the takeaways, assumptions, and challenging your assumptions. Last word on that.
0: You really got to put yourself outside of your zone. So I could have gone. I go to car wash tours in the U.S., but going to Europe really did that for me, and I. I feel like it's given me a fresh perspective on some things that could give me a competitive advantage. You've always got to be challenging your assumptions, but you got to put yourself in a situation where you can do that. And most of us don't do that automatically. So find some areas where you can challenge assumptions. Find people you disagree with. Find people who are doing it differently. And... Just spend time on that and ask yourself, are there things I can learn from that? Yeah, I think there's two things there that you're touching on. One is easier than the other.
2: One is just physically getting out of your business and whether you travel overseas or not, it doesn't matter. It could be traveling to the next town or the next city, but the hard part then is actually opening up your mind and being willing to take in different perspectives and not judge it and block it, which is what a lot of us have a tendency to do. You have to go into these other situations open-mindedly and saying, huh, that's interesting. I didn't think I would ever do business that way, but let me look at it. Let me think about it. And I think that's what you have to go with, is with that mindset, with that perspective of, I'm going to take it in. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but I would. I really want to understand how they're doing
0: something that's different from the way I'm doing it. Sure, and the guys that do that, I believe, and I've had this conversation with other car wash distributors or owners, the the car wash network around me, the guys that do that are the guys that I find are more successful. Yeah. They're always and asking questions, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're the guys that are more successful. They're the guys that are doing well, washing a lot of cars. They're building more more tunnels. Uh, these are the guys that are spending time on tours, learning, sending their guys to other car washes, and accepting people from other car washes to cross-learn and cross-pollinate. So I think it goes back to being a a learner. If you're not a learner, um, you're not going to be interested in any of this. But if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you're already a lifelong learner.
2: It's about intellectual curiosity. It's about opening yourself up to different ideas. Um, and part of that is not just the physical, you know, going somewhere else, but spending time with other people, reaching out to other people. And again, what happens is we can get so isolated in our businesses, especially if there isn't a community, a, an association, someone who's facilitating that and there's no community, reach out. You'd be surprised how often is the case where that other business owner of a quote unquote competing business would love to talk to you about just a business in general. You'd be very surprised at how willing people are to have that camaraderie, to have that fellowship, to be able to share ideas. And it's not just about, I'm going to steal your
0: ideas. That's not really how it works most cases. Agreed. I'll, I'm going to give you one more story, then I'll quit. But um, our association CEO meets with other association CEOs. And there was an individual who, there's a product now called Graphene, uh, it's, it's, it's a type of metal and this association guy went out and found out there was no association for people interested in graphene. So he created an online forum that people could join to learn about graphene and he has 6,000 members in this council, but he just went out and realized there was a hole out there and through LinkedIn got people who are interested in graphene to join this graphene council yeah. and he created an association from scratch. Great example. Yeah. All right. Any last uh, thoughts before we close it up? Nope. Go out and join your association. If you're a car wash owner, join the International Car Wash Association. Perfect.
2: All right, folks. Thanks uh, for listening to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez and David Begin. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business.
1: Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.